but yeah, I mean, I don't have any great insight there either. For once, I'm not going to try to make up great insight when I don't have great insight. You're welcome. Diz Runs Radio episode 921 starts in three, two, Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. All right, all right, all right. Here we go. Once again, it is time for another round of listener Q&A where you ask, I answer whatever questions you might want to throw my way, running, life, or anything in between. And as per usual, we have a little bit of uh, each category in today's Q&A episode. Uh, For those of you that are, are kind of new to the show, maybe around these parts for the first time, uh, at the end of each month, we dedicate uh, the, the last Friday, ultimately, the last Friday of each month, uh, we dedicate the episode entirely to your questions, my answers, hopefully a little bit of useful information, useful tidbits, useful answers that uh, can help you, entertain you, make you think, I don't know, all of the above, maybe, once in a while. Um, it's free advice, ultimately, so hopefully it's useful, if not you know, sometimes, sometimes in life, you you really do get what you pay for. Uh, but the best place to get your questions answered, in case you're not part of the Facebook group already, is to join the Facebook group. Uh, if you just point your browser over to disruns.com/slash/facebook, or the next time you happen to be scrolling around mindlessly, wasting wasting your life on the book of faces, which uh, I know I do a bit more often than I probably should. Uh, just hit in that search bar, type in the Diz Runs Tribe, click to you know, click to join or whatever. Uh, we'll let you in, and as long as you know you don't prove yourself to be too uh, too douchey, we kind of have a no douche policy. Uh, as long as you come in, have fun, enjoy yourself, crack some jokes, all that kind of good stuff. Maybe post once in a while, or just lurk. Your call, um, but we'd love to have you. And then somewhere in the middle of the month, usually at like the 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 middle middle Wednesday. Uh, I put a post out that says, what are your questions for this month's Q&A? You put them in the, in the comment section. I read the question. I give you the answer. It really is pretty much that simple. So uh, we got a nice little list of questions today. We'll uh, get right to it and uh, hopefully have a little fun and hopefully not end up going on and on and on and on and on and on and on for uh, too long. Although, I don't know. I mean, what's what's too long these days? If a quick tip is like somewhere between 20 and 30 minutes what is a good Q&A episode length? I don't know, somewhere between an hour and two hours, something like that. I got a feeling we'll probably settle in somewhere in that window today. But anyway, first question comes from Kenton says, uh, what is your favorite marathon slash race finish line moment? Also, has anybody ever been cutting onions at a finish line around you? Answer the second question first. Yeah, there's there's been a few t- a few times where there's been some folks out there cutting the onions and then you run through the onion cutting ceremony at the finish line and, uh, you know, you get a little, a little teary, a little verklempt, at least I have, certainly. Uh, used to be a pretty regular occurrence. Pretty much every marathon, it felt like for uh, the first couple years, uh, there was always that guy that was cutting the onions somewhere. Um, it's kind of died down a little bit. Uh, I guess I guess now, for me, the perception of a marathon is that I'm going to finish. It's just a matter of how well how, how the day goes as opposed to like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that, which is kind of how the first couple of years of, of marathon running were for me. Um, that said, 
to get around to your first question, what is your favorite or what what's some of your favorite marathon finish line moments? Um, the the Marine Corps marathon in 2019, uh, I got I got snipered by some onion cutting guys, uh, maybe some onion cutting Marines. I don't know, uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean that that day. Um, for those that were there, know that, that the day itself was just crazy. Like it was a crazy weather day, like definitely epic rainstorms. Uh, some parts of the course got a little bit flooded because of drainage issues and the rain was just coming down like crazy. Um, and then towards the end of the race, if you were out there long enough, it got pretty hot. So it was just kind of one of those, one of those days where it was just, the weather was all over the place. Um, and like, I'd never, I've never run a Marine Corps before that day. And so like, you know, it's just some of the, the overall, you know, the blue mile, uh, just the Marines that were all over the place. That was a little bit much. And then you finishing up this hill. Like, of course you finish up a hill, like every race you finish up a hill. Right. Um, but you finish up this hill and then there's all the Marines there that are handing out medals and like saluting you and stuff. And like, that was just a bit too much for me. Like, I was just, it was just like, no, y'all like I should be, you know, it's not that I'm qualified to salute, but like, I should be saluting you. I should be telling you, thank you for all you're doing. And you're like, Hey, thanks for coming to run our race. Here's your medal. Like, yeah, yeah. There was there was a marine somewhere cutting some some major onions that day. Um, so that's one that stands out a little bit. Um, a couple other ones like there was a, a half marathon that I did locally. I don't know what it was three years ago, something like that. Um, trail half marathon, pretty low key event, which is kind of my cup of tea anyway. Um, but like Addison ran the last you know like hundred yards with me. Uh, so that was pretty, like, there was no onion cut in there, but that one was pretty cool. Like that was a fun one to remember. Uh, my first ultra similar situation, not with Addison, but Rebecca joined me for the last like mile or so. Um, I needed it. Uh, definitely. I think there might've been maybe not massive onions, but there might've been a little wafting onion situation there. Uh, but that one was just, again, kind of like running a, running a, a marathon or an ultra marathon the first time. Like, I don't know. Can I do this? I don't know. It was tough. It was hard. And then my wife paces me in for the last mile. Like that was a, a Whew, like that was a good one. Um, so I guess those are like my three favorite ones, but you know, and this is where the, the cliche answer comes in, right? Like every marathon, every, every finish line is special. Every, every finish line, uh, you know, there's, there's something I can take away from everyone. Marathons or otherwise, I mean, even, you know, half marathons, marathons, um, uh, maybe not so much the 5k's. Those ones, I'm just glad to be finished with the damn things and, and moving on with my life. Um, but the longer distance stuff, like there's something that I can remember from just about everyone, but those are, those are the ones that really come to mind. Um, and yeah, every once in a while, the onions, the onions still get to me, uh, when it comes to a, a, a race finish. So thanks for the question, Kenton. That's, that's a couple good ones there. A couple good ones to start us off. Uh, next one from Catherine. Sorry if you've answered this a thousand times before, but what's a good way to maintain fitness and work on goals currently doing heart rate training, uh, when I'm not training for a race, I've been running throughout this weird COVID year. Uh, but without a race in mind, I feel a bit lost. So, uh, Catherine, this, the simple answer, I guess, or, or like kind of the snarky answer. And, I, and I'm not meaning this in a snarky way. Um, but you know, the, the best way to maintain fitness and work on your goals during any year, whether or not you're training for races to keep training, right? Like to keep running, keep working out, uh, maybe mix in some cross training, do some of the little, like all of those things, right? Like that's, that's the best way. Um, if I'm reading between the lines of your question and if I'm, if I'm misreading, I apologize in advance, but it sounds like maybe there's a little bit of a motivation issue there because of a lack of races and not having that maybe predictable marathon or half marathon or whatever race training cycle where there's a buildup and there's a taper and then there's a recover and then you know get back into training and build back like like maybe you're missing that that flow a little bit um and you're struggling there and in which case i would say that that and this is tricky easy to say hard to sometimes do 
but find some other goals, some other motivators to, to keep you going. You know, if, if races aren't an option right now, hopefully they will be soon. But until they become a viable option that you can trust, you know, and lean on, what what are some of those things that you can use to kind of motivate you, to keep you focused, to keep you keep you moving in the right direction? Um, you know, and and, and I, I can't tell you what that would be because it has to be something that that gets you going. Uh, some options, maybe it's it's shifting a, a, your your goals to a focus of consistency. So focusing on, you know, I want to run four times a week or three times a week or five times a week, like whatever makes sense for you. Um, or maybe to mileage, trying to get just, a, you sit, I want to hit 200 miles for the month of March or 100 miles or 50 miles or 250 miles, like whatever it is. Again, it's going to be dependent on you and what kind of is enough motivation to get you going, but not too much to be scary, you know, that type of thing. Uh, maybe to measure your progress as far as time trials or since your heart rate training, Working on your math progress, you know, making sure to schedule a, a math test every four to six weeks and get out there and, and do that. And, and then you, know, you see what your time is and then, all right, now I'm going to work for the next four weeks to try to improve that by training intelligently, doing, you know, sticking to the heart rate training principles and then schedule another one and see how that goes. And hopefully you see a little bit of improvement. And then as you see some of that progress, that motivates you to keep going, right? Like you get that positive feedback loop of I did the thing. I, I got a little bit, you know, faster or a little more efficient or my, my results improved and I want to keep improving. So I'm going to keep doing the thing and, and you can build it that way. Um, if you, if you really do need some type of race thing, you know, I mean, there's, there's no shortage of virtual races out there. Maybe sign up for a race late into 2020, 21, you know, maybe late into the fall. Um, because odds are, I mean, not that I'm super confident on some of the really, really big races, but you could find some local half marathon or trail race or something like that um, for September, October, November, depending on where you live, of course. But like, if you can find something like that, I think there's a pretty good chance those races are going to go off later this year, right? And it can't be guaranteed, but maybe you sign up for that race or at least put it on your calendar and that can be enough to motivate you. Maybe jump into something virtual. You know, there's the, uh, the great virtual race across Tennessee version 2.0 is happening again this year. Um, so maybe that would be something that's just, you know, for, kind of forces some consistency for the months of May, June, July, and August, right? So maybe that would help you. I don't know. It, it's, again, it's got to be something that, that helps you. Maybe you get a, an accountability partner. Maybe you get a coach, you know, that can kind of be both accountability partner and, you know, kind of helping you steer the ship a little bit. I don't, you know, I don't know if that's something that would be, would help you, would motivate you. Um, but you got to just find something that, that you can focus on that, that gets you going, that gets you excited, uh, that maybe cracks the whip a little bit, whatever it is, uh, that you need, because everybody has their own different areas that they kind of help spur them to keep getting out there. Uh, I used to be very race motivated. I've talked about this before. I used to be that guy that, that would train for a race. And when there wasn't a race, I hardly ran at all. Now I'm, I'm as, as has happened multiple times in multiple directions of my running journey or career or whatever you want to call it. Like I'm so far on the other end of the spectrum. I could care less about running a race. Like I would like to run races. I hope to run races this year, but if I don't, if I don't run a race for 12 months, 18 months, 24 months, like whatever, I'm going to keep running. At least that's my motivation right now is to just keep running, keep training, keep building, building my engine improving my aerobic fitness via health heart rate training, which, which again, not for nothing, maybe not, which again, but not for nothing, uh, Catherine heart rate training is, especially if you're new to it, maybe almost, I don't want to say more beneficial, but not having races on the calendar can help you really get going into heart rate training because you're not worried about, Oh, I have a race coming up and do I run it hard? Or how do I like, do I trust the training that I'm not doing as much speed work, but I know I've got this race coming up. I want to race well, like, 
if you don't have races to deal with, that's a great time to get into heart rate training or to, to really lock into it, depending on where you are in that part of the, the process, because you don't have races to distract you, to throw you off, to, to throw a wrench into the, the work that you're doing. Now, obviously you can still race and do heart rate training. We'll get to that. There's a question about that a little bit later. Um, but, but I, I think to, to ultimately answer your question, Catherine, uh, it's just kind of figuring out what lights you up, what gets you going, what excites you about running in a world where there aren't races right now and tap into that. And then hopefully not too, too far down the road, down the road, uh, we'll have races again. And then you can, you can get back into the racing cycle or the, the racing motivations, uh, that have Sounds like, again, if I'm reading between the lines, it sounds like it worked for you in the past. Hopefully it will work for you again in the future. But uh, thank you for the question and, and best of luck with the heart rate training. Good luck with it. It, it really works. It really does work. Stick, Got to stick with it though. Got to stick with it. Uh, next question from Debbie. Do you do heart rate training when riding your Peloton? Absolutely, Debbie. Um, you, you know, it, it when it comes to anything, and, and actually it's it's it's... I don't know if serendipitous is the right word. That's probably not, it's probably overselling it a little bit. Uh, it, it's, it's a nice coincidence that this month's webinar that I did with the, the athletes that I coach, the runners that I coach, we do a webinar every month. And this month's webinar was about kind of the running ecosystem and how, and I know I've mentioned this once or twice, but kind of took a little bit more of a deep dive into the idea that everything we do impacts everything that we do. You know, whether we're talking just health and fitness, whether we're talking life, whether we're talking family, work, professional, spiritual, mental health, physical health, emotional health, all those things are all interconnected and inter, inter, intertwined. And what happens in one area impacts the other. And so when it comes to heart rate training or when it comes to improving, you know, aerobic fitness via the heart rate training methods, it's not like it just applies to running and then everything else is kind of in, in, in other, like, like each component of fitness of, of physical fitness, of aerobic fitness, isn't independent of each other. You know, it's not, the, the Venn diagram isn't a perfect circle. You know, there's, there's obviously areas of running fitness that are, are not exactly the same as with cycling fitness, as with swimming fitness, as with, you know, whatever. Um, but there's a lot of overlap there. And so all that to say, if you, if, if you believe in the, the principles of heart rate training like I do, you, you can't just be like, oh, well, I'm going to hammer it on the bike because when I'm running, I'm, I'm doing my heart rate stuff. Um, and, and, you know, pushing it on the bike is, is fine. Like, eh, I mean, it's not that it's terrible. And I, I, I know sometimes I, I, I maybe oversimplify or don't specify enough when I talk about heart rate training. It's okay to go hard once in a while. Um, but my belief from doing all the research I've done from trying and trying and, and uh, a little bit trial and error on myself is if you're gonna if you're gonna go hard once in a while, you want to do that in the the activity that that you're primarily focused on. So for me, that's running, right? So when I'm gonna do a hard workout, when I'm gonna push my body, when I'm gonna push my heart rate outside of my heart rate levels, um, and and try to get some of those benefits, I want to do it when I'm running because that's where the the ultimate payoff is going to be on race day for me is going to be in a marathon, in a half marathon, in an ultra, maybe in a 5k someday. I don't know. Well, uh, but it's going to be it's going to be running based, right? So there's no reason for me to waste a hard workout on the bike when I'm never at least right now not going to have any performance metrics that are bike related. So when I get on the bike, when I get on the Peloton, um I absolutely keep my heart rate. Like I have it. I have my, my threshold set. Don't go above 141 on the bike period. So how does that shake out in the Peloton? Sounds like you got a little, little familiarity with the Peloton Debbie. Um, so for me, I don't 
really follow the workouts that or the the routines or whatever you want to call it like like i don't listen to the instructor barking out cadence and resistance numbers and feel like i need to keep up like i don't care uh when i'm when i'm doing a ride on the with the peloton app um it's mostly for the soundtrack like that's what i care about i care about what music's being played um i care about which the which instructor it is there's some of them that it just grind my gears enough that even if they have good playlists i can't handle them just, just, you know, and, and again, I, and I don't want to make this sound like it's a bigger deal than it is just, you know, something about their personality or the way that they talk or how much they talk. That's usually what it comes down to how much they talk during the ride. Like, like I'm doing the ride for the music. If they're talking over the music all the time, then I'm not getting the music. I'm getting them talking, in which case I don't want to do their rides because they talk too much. So, so all that to say, when I'm doing a ride on the Peloton or, and again, I don't have a proper Peloton. I have a spin bike and I use the Peloton app. Um, I don't care so much about the resistance and the cadence. Now, sometimes, and, and I say all that, and then I say this, sometimes I will pay attention a little bit. Like, I'm, I'm feeling feeling good, feeling feeling froggy. Like, hey, let's push it a little bit. So I'll push it with, with cadence numbers, with resistance numbers. I don't know if I'm exact with them because I don't have the, the exact Peloton bike, of course. But, like, you know, I, I've got the sensors, and I, I, I do what I think feels right. Uh, but if my heart rate gets up too high, back it off. Back it off, period. Because I'm not gonna get, I'm not gonna quote unquote waste a workout on the bike when I could go do some repeats or something like that. That would be a running specific hard workout. So yeah, I'll resist the resistance. I'll resist. Uh, I'll reduce the cadence. Um, I'll ride more of a steady state and just kind of get into the my heart rate into the 125 to 135 range and just cruise from there. Um, and 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 get the benefits of the cross training, get the benefits of the cardiovascular work uh, without pushing my my exertion too high to where I'm above my heart rate limits. But I absolutely still follow heart rate training principles, whether I'm biking, running, whatever. If I'm, if if I'm working aerobically, there's a pretty good chance that I've got my heart rate strap on and I'm making sure to keep my heart rate in the right zones, if you will. So great question, Debbie. Hope that made sense. Uh, I hope that is at least a little bit helpful uh, for you, assuming that you're doing some heart rate training and some, some pelotoning as well. Uh, next question or two questions from Thessaly or maybe three questions. I don't know. There's, there's a couple little, little nuggets jumbled into here. Um, book and guitar updates. Yes, I have updates finally. Uh, as I mentioned on last week's um, quick tip episode, and I think I mentioned it in an email somewhere along the way, um, start, I've, I finally officially can say that I, I've actually done some progress, minimal progress, but still progress on the book. Uh, Marathons and Metaphors has kind of sort of been a thing I've been going to work on for like the last year and a half. Finally, sort of in the last month have I actually really started working on it. Um, it's all very rough still. And I don't even know what the word count is because I'm dictating right now. Uh, just talking through it, uh, talking through some chapters. I actually need to send some chapters out to the Patreon patrons, the Patreon supporters. Uh, one of their actual little bonuses, they get to see the book come together. So I need to send that out to them. Uh, and, and I don't know if it's going to make any sense to them. I don't know if it's going to make any sense to me even because I haven't hardly looked at it since I just talked through uh, the, the, the introductory chapter and then two other chapters that I've been working on, or again, theoretically worked on. Um, but there is, a, at least there's an update. At least there's some progress. So we, we've got we've got a little something there finally, um, which hopefully we can continue to build on a little bit more every week is the plan to kind of keep working on working on the book a little bit through the, uh, the, the dictation app on my phone, uh, at least until I get enough of the talked through stuff talked that then I can get back in and start editing and, and adjusting and, and fleshing out and adding some stuff to it, kind of 
at least want to get the framework done first uh, before, because I, I get too edity when I type in. If I tried to type, I would spend way too much time try, trying to craft the perfect sentence in the rough draft edition, and that just doesn't make sense. So we have book progress. Guitar updates, kind of just steady on. Uh, still working on it a little bit most days. Maybe not every day, but you know, messing with things a little bit. I uh, actually had a little bit of a hot spot on one of my fingers the other day from playing a little bit too much. Had to take a, take a day and let that... Let, it wasn't a blister, but it was just like, ooh, like that hurts. Uh, on the on the fingertip, um, so yeah, playing a little bit. Um, again, I mean, I'm I'm nobody's definition of virtuoso, but you know, having fun with it, which is all that matters. Uh, then to to Thessaly's kind of real question, uh, she says, also my really important question. There are so many people who hate the treadmill. Uh, I generally don't understand it. Truly, the treadmill is my all time favorite non human thing in the world. Please enlighten me, and then tell us a few things you like about the treadmill. Um, and if you remember when Thessaly was on the show not too long ago, she was just, she, she was literally running on the treadmill while we were talking. Uh, that's how much this lady likes the treadmill, which is just, just bonkers. So, um, you know, when it comes to why do people hate the treadmill, obviously I can't speak for everyone, but the literal truth is that the treadmill was created to be a torture device. Okay. Um, I don't know if you know that Thessaly, but in, I, I think it was like the late 1800s, it was some, some prison, um, they literally created the treadmill and just told the prisoners to just get on it and walk. Like it was like a human powered treadmill. I think at that point, uh, but just get on it, walk. And that was their, like a tor- literally it was a torture device. Um, I would argue that not much has changed since that initial, uh, treadmill in- invent- invention, uh, it still kind of feels like a torture device when you get on one. Um, so maybe there's something about that. Maybe there's something in our psyche that says this idea of, running or walking and literally not going anywhere is some something border bordering on cruel and unusual. Some of us, maybe more than others, maybe, maybe you're a bit of a, of a, what is it? A sadist, a masochist, whichever one is that, that likes the pain. Maybe that's you a little bit Thessaly, which is why you enjoy the treadmill so much. I don't know. Not, I'm not saying, but I'm just saying. Um, so maybe there's something about that to it. Um, and then I think that, you know, the, the common refrain that I get from folks, the common refrain that I feel as well, it's kind of boring to just be on this thing and running and not going anywhere. Sure, you can put on music or you can you can put on a TV show or a movie or whatever, read a book. I guess kind of hard to read a book while you're running, but maybe listen to a book. But I can kind of do most of those. I mean, I can't watch TV while I'm running out in the world, right? But like I can listen to an audio book. I can listen to a podcast. I can listen to music and still have some different visual stimulation when I'm out running, even if it's just my neighborhood that I run every day. There's like different things that happen there. There's different decorations. There's, di- you know, especially around Christmas time, Halloween time. Um, we might get some, some, some random decor here and there, the other types of the year. I'm always on the lookout for toilets when I'm out running, of course. Uh, don't see many of those when I'm running on the treadmill. Um, not that I run on the treadmill, but you know what I mean? If I'm in the, if I'm on a, on a treadmill situation, I'm probably not going to stumble across a toilet somewhere. And every, everybody loves stumbling across a toilet when you're out for a run. Um, so it's kind of boring. Um, you also don't get as much variety, at least in theory, as much variety in terms of, of pace because the, the, the belt is just maintaining the same pace the whole way through, uh, right? At least if it's, if it's working correctly, it's going to maintain a steady pace. You don't have that pace control or the, you don't have the need to control your own pace. Um, you don't get the little subtle variations of the undulations of a little hill here or a little slant here um, that, that just kind of works your body in a little different way. Um of course, you know, if you have a good treadmill, you can, you can crank up the elevation, you can change the, the, the paces, all those types of things, but, but it doesn't typically happen on its own. 
Now, I, got, I know there's the really, really fancy ones that like you plug in, like, I want to run in whatever, in Lakeland, Florida, and it just stays flat for you the whole way. Uh, but if you, you know, if you run somewhere where there's some hills, it'll do, it'll do some of that on its own. Um, I don't know. I'd rather just get that outside, but that's just me. Um, and then, and then the other thing that, that has always kind of gotten me with a treadmill is that it's just too easy to quit, right? Like it's well documented that my mental game can use a little bit of work sometimes, my mental strength, my mental fortitude. And when you're, when I'm running on a treadmill and I'm like, yeah, this is tough. I don't really feel like doing this anymore. Like the stop button is right there. And it's usually like this huge button, right? Huge red flashing, like stop, hit me. I hit the button and I'm done. If I go out, you know, if I go out to run a, a, an eight miler and I'm three and a half miles from home, well, I mean, I got to get home. I got to at least go three and a half miles back. Might as well just keep going forward and get the full eight, right? Um, so it's a little harder to bail on a run when you're outside. So for me, that's that's another reason that I don't like the treadmill because I it, it gives me that easy cop out to just hit the stop button and be done. Um, so what do I like about it? Not much, obviously. Um, not much for me personally. Like I honestly, there's not much reason for me to do, to run on the treadmill says the guy who posted a picture in the Facebook group the other day of him running on a treadmill. Uh, the reason for that getting a little, little gate analysis done. Uh, and it works a lot easier to set the tread, set the, the tripod up and run on the treadmill as opposed to like get three strides when you run past it out on the, on the road. Right. Uh, so, so that was, that was, that was, that is probably the only reason I would, I could see myself using a treadmill for like the next rest of my life. If, if all goes to plan, the only times I'll ever run on a treadmill ever, ever, ever again would be to get a little videotape of my, my running form and just kind of make sure things are, are where they need to be there. Um, outside of that, nothing that I like about the treadmill. Now things that other people like convenience factor, some safety potential. And I guess maybe that would be another one. Like if it was, if it was unsafe, as far as like air quality, things like that, maybe being inside running on the treadmill, like maybe beats not running at all. Um, you know, to each your own, like, like maybe that would be the other scenario where I'd potentially use a a treadmill. Um, of course, you know, and, and I say this as, as a dude living in a, you know, gated community, right? Like, like I feel safe running outside all the time. Um, I feel safe when Rebecca goes outside, although I know that she has a little bit more awareness being a female, right? Running before dark or before dawn, a little bit more that she's aware of. I know that for some of you guys, places where you live or places where you run, or maybe you're traveling different times that, that the idea of running outside by yourself is just kind of a non-starter. So a treadmill becomes a necessity in that point. It'd be something you like about it. Does it feel a little bit more safe, a little more comfortable? Um, you know, whatever you want to call it for me, that that's not an issue. Right. Um, so, so there's not much I like about the treadmill. I suppose, I suppose the one other saving grace for the treadmill while you got me on the subject, um, is that for certain workouts, it can help the fact that it does control your pace, which is something that I don't particularly like about it can be good because it forces you to stay at that pace. Assuming everything's, you know, collapse. I've been corrupt, not corrupt. There's a word there that uh, I've, I've been struggling with all day to try to think of. Uh, but assuming that everything is, is equal, meaning that the pace that you see on the display is actually the pace of what the treadmill is doing. Um, and the distances are all aligned and all that kind of good stuff. Um, I suppose that that, is okay. Right. Like that would help to like lock into tempo pace or lock into race pace or things like that. Um, the problem with that is that when you go to your race, you have to be able to control it. So if you, if if you can translate that from the treadmill to the race day, great. 
I don't know that I can. And maybe I could if I tried, or maybe if I could if I if I made a point to to run inside enough. Uh, but I don't see myself doing that. So a few things I like about the treadmill. Um, I, I, I don't like the treadmill. Uh, sorry to disappoint Thessaly, but I just, I just, I can see there's, there's positive uses for it. Um, of course, again, I, I live in Florida. So, you know, like if I lived somewhere where it was, had been ice and snow for the last 10 days, like maybe a treadmill would be something that I would have to be a necessary evil to just avoid the worst of the weather. Um, but like, I don't have a use for a treadmill. If we used to have one, it was for the dog, right? Like it was to put the dog on to burn some energy for the dog. Um, he actually really kind of enjoyed it too, which was, which was cool. Um, but I have no use for a treadmill anymore as far as device to run on. Like, nope, nope, not going to do it. But thanks for the questions, lady. Hope things are well out West. Uh, next question from Liz. Any tips or tricks for sleeping after long efforts? My sleep has been terrible the night after my most recent marathon and 50K, uh, just a few hours versus the standard eight or nine plus. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't. I wish I had some good tips for you, Liz, because I, I typically feel the same way um, as far as, as struggle to get good quality sleep after a good hard effort. And uh, again, I think it kind of goes back to that whole ecosystem type of thing and that everything is connected and so you're laying down to sleep, but your body is like working overdrive to try to, to repair, do all the necessary things that are going on, all the processes that are happening, you know, below the hood or beneath the hood, if you will, um, that it can just kind of mess up the sleep rhythm a little bit. Like your body, like, yes, our bodies do that naturally on a, on a daily basis during sleep. Like, like there's a lot going on that happens while we're sleeping. Um, but the stress, the, the, the physical stress, the physical exertion, uh, sometimes the mental stress, the mental exertion that, that accompanies a really long run, especially a, a race. Um, it's just, it's just a lot it's system overload, you know? And so that, that's all happening. Um, I think that potentially, I don't know if this is the case for you, but I think that potentially for, you know, something that, that gets me in trouble sometimes after a race is that I tend to, you know, kind of go a little bit crazy after a race, right? Like maybe it's eating some, some, some foods that I wouldn't normally eat, maybe having a couple of drinks or something like that. Um, and those things impact the quality of your sleep. So it's, it's maybe it's, it's kind of a, it's less about the, the run and the physical exertion and more about, you know, I had half of a pizza and, and a couple of drinks. And so I've just got all of this, this grease and the, the flour, the gluten, the carbs, uh, the, the alcohol, all those types of things impact in my, my body and my ability to get good sleep more so than it was the fact that I ran 26 miles or 31 miles or whatever the case might be. Maybe it's a combination. You know, I don't know. I think there's a lot of factors to it. Um, and so as far as tips or tricks, I, mean, I don't have any, any silver bullets. I think it just comes down to good sleep practice, right? Like make sure you go to bed at, at a normal time, you know, make sure that, um, you're, you're doing the normal things that you would do. If you do normally read before bed, read before bed, not on your phone, but in a book right? If you normally take a warm bath or a warm shower, maybe do that. That's going to help you, your, you know, lower your body temperature so you can go to sleep. Turn the, turn the air conditioning down a few extra notches to just make it a little bit cooler that night to try to get a little bit better sleep. Put your blue blockers on, like whatever, like all those types of things. Don't have, don't have too much caffeine after your race because that's probably later in the day. So that's going to throw like, like all of the good, solid, strong, um, sleep best practices, like try to double down on those on race day and see if that doesn't help. Still might not be perfect, but maybe you can get better than three or four. Maybe you can get five or six hours of sleep instead of eight or nine. Um, but it's 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 a problem that I have too, 
uh, and maybe maybe we're the only two, Liz. I don't know, uh, but I like to think that maybe we're maybe maybe that's just kind of you know part of part of the process and and part of uh, you know just the recovery process is that you pushed your body pretty damn hard, you know. Um, even if the exertion wasn't there, it's just that's a lot of time out there running. Um, and so it just you know a little bit of carryover effect is that it that first night of sleep not always the greatest, not always the greatest. But uh, I know that that you've got a lot of practice, a lot of opportunities to practice over the rest of this year in terms of uh, getting some good sleep after some long runs. So uh, hopefully by December, you can come back on and tell us what works for you because uh, hopefully you'll be able to figure it out. So thanks for the question, though, Liz. Uh, next one from Michaela. How would you suggest someone incorporate the little things into a training plan? Do it on the days off. Do it on uh, easy run days. Like, what do you think? So this is, this is like a, a simple question with some layered answers, right? Um Depending on what we're talking about for the little things, it's going to depend a little bit on maybe when the best times are to do it. That said, the best time to, you know, just don't overthink it, do it. Like that's the first question. Like if you're trying to think of, all right, what is the best perfect time to do the yoga or to do the foam rolling or to do this or do that? Like just do it, do it. Stop thinking about it. Just do it. But again, there's, there's layers here. So when it comes to like the yoga, the stretching, foam rolling, recovery types of practices, things of that nature. I mean, any day is better than, than, than not doing it right. Like I don't care. Rest day, recovery day, run day, hard day, slow day, easy day, long day, short day. Yes. Do those things. Do the yoga, do the stretching, do the foam. Nothing you need to do all of them, but there's no reason to not do those things on any of those days. Now when we're talking about strength training, maybe cross training, some of those types of things. That's where the, the line gets a little bit blurrier, Right. Does it make sense to do those things on off days? Well, maybe it could, but say, say you're running five days a week. So then you're going to do your strength training on those two days that you're not running. Well, not if, if you're doing strength training on your off days, do you really have off days? Like I would argue, no, same thing with your cross training. Maybe you run five days a week. You're going to hit the bike a couple times a week, or maybe you're going to hit the bike. One of those days, strength train the other day. Again, just just because you're not running doesn't mean you're not working out. doesn't mean you're not stressing your body kind of means you don't have off days. So in that situation, I wouldn't recommend doing it on your off days. What if you're running three days a week? Well, now maybe doing some strength training on two of your, your off days, two of your non-running days. Maybe that now makes a lot, whole lot more sense because it still gives you a couple of off days, a couple of actual rest days, right? Or at least one, maybe you do a bike on one of those days, a couple days of strength training, three days of running. You still have a, 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 a rest day. Well, there, now, now that makes sense. So, so there's some layers to when to, to include the strength training, the, the, um, the cross training, things like that, based on what your running schedule is like, based on how, how the recovery period goes. So like, like I do my, my heavy strength training days or like my heavy lower body strength training day, always Tuesday. Why? Because usually Wednesday, Thursday, my legs are feeling, are feeling it, especially Thursday. For me, that 48 hours is the worst. But then by the time Saturday rolls around, I do my long run. My legs are feeling pretty much good to go, All right? So I incorporate that heavy strength training day onto my Tuesday. Not coincidentally, if I'm doing a speed workout, it also is Tuesday. So I'll do speed workout and then I'll do strength training and my legs are cashed out for two or three days. But usually then by Saturday, by the time it's time to hit the long run, legs are feeling pretty well back to go. So, so you kind of got to be strategic about where you place things based on other things going on sometimes too. So it's, it's it, all that to say, 
long, long, long-winded way to get there. It depends. It depends. Um, based on your schedule, based on your goals, based on what other things are going on in your life, um, you can make an argument to do it on off days, to do it on easy days, to do it on hard days. Um, it just kind of depends on what makes the most sense for your situation. So uh, we can talk more about it, Michaela, based on your situation. Uh, but in general, I mean, there's a lot of flexibility, but doing it better than not um, with an asterisk, maybe. Hope that all makes sense. Thank you for the question, lady. Appreciate it. Uh, first question this month from Melody. She's got a few more towards the end. Uh, the inquiring shorts want to know what the story is behind this photo. It's the photo that is the, uh, I guess, the banner photo for the Facebook group. It's me uh, running, wearing some some like basketball shorts and like a cotton t-shirt. Um, definitely not running shorts. Do have running shoes on though. I at least have my running shoes on. Um, but uh, I'm running on a the street. There's people cheering. Uh, it says, uh, you're wearing a t-shirt and long shorts that almost look like khakis. They're not khakis. They're just gray athletic shorts. Uh, hoping there's a good story from the man without a plan. People are clapping and look generally happy to see you. So this this picture, uh, and it's in the show notes today, disruns.com slash, what is it? 921, 921. Uh, it's also, like I said, the Facebook banner po- banner picture. Um, is an oldie but goodie, I guess. Or it's, it's an oldie. I don't know. Maybe not a goodie. Uh, but it's from, I think, uh, 2013. Uh, and it was a fundraiser uh, 5K um, at the church that Rebecca worked at. And and the reason, I guess, that I got roped into running it is that the the beneficiary of the charity event wasn't just the church in general, but it was like specifically the, the area, the kids that Rebecca was working with. It was a, a kind of to help provide scholarships for kids to go to summer camp. It, basically is what it was about. Uh, and that was, that was like kind of Rebecca's department. Uh, so it was a direct beneficiary to Rebecca's ministry that she was in charge of. Um, and so, you know, I got to run the, I, I was, I was asked if I would participate in it by my darling wife. So of course I said I would participate in it. Um, and so that picture was taken near the finish line. Uh, I think I finished like second or third, uh, that day uh, overall, uh, and also finished like second in my age group. It was one of the, one of those situations where, uh, the winner, uh, was, uh, the winner was in my age group. The guy that finished second was in my age group. And then I finished third overall second in my age group. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so that was like near the finish, like probably like less than 50 yards from the finish line. So that's what people are clapping. Cause you know, here's somebody coming in to finish. And I, I even had like a neighborhood ministries t-shirt on because I, I knew, the lady that was kind of in charge of it. So I got a t-shirt to wear, which probably got a few extra cheers as well. Um, so that's, that's what the picture is all about. Um, I get more, I guess the moral of the story is it's time to change the picture since that's like a six, eight year old picture, uh, might be, might be time to, to update. I don't know. I mean, that's me though, right? Like just pick it good enough and not worry about it. And maybe it's time to worry about it. But, uh, that's, that's all the stuff. I mean, that's the story behind it. Nothing, nothing too. It was a 5k. Um, the, the next year I won the 5k. Um, actually technically finished second behind the dog. Uh, she, she drug me across the finish line, but we, we won the whole thing. And then the year after that, which is the last year I run it, ran it. Uh, I think we finished second, uh, or I finished second. I finished third, Bailey finished second. Uh, and there was some like hot shot high school cross country kid that finished, you know, like walked to a finish line in 17 minutes or something like that. Um, and I finished, you know, whatever second overall in the race for second human in like 20 minutes and or 21 minutes or something like that. So that was, that was the race. Uh, nothing, nothing too crazy. I think I wore running shorts the next year. Um, that was still in my, in my who needs running shorts days. Uh, now I can't imagine running in those types of shorts, but yep, that's the story. I'm sticking to it. 
Next question from Lesterberg in North Dakota. Uh, what are you and or when are you and Chris going to have a last man standing treadmill race? We are not, John, uh, and I I do not appreciate you putting such blasphemous ideas into anyone's head. Um, and y'all know I'm a never say never kind of guy, but I'm going to go ahead and say yeah, that's never going to happen. I mean, I know I'm putting it out there by saying never, but you know, back to Thessaly's point, like even if even if I was like, yeah, let's do it. I guarantee I'd get like 20 minutes in. If I made it to 20 minutes, I'd just be like, fuck this. Like, no, boom, stop, done, game over. Like, no, no. So yeah, don't uh, don't hold your breath for a, a, a Diz versus short uh, last man standing tread. Or you could probably hold your breath and that's about how long the last man standing event would last anyway. So yeah, don't worry about, don't, don't expect that coming your way anytime soon. Uh, next question, another one from Melody. Some people hate this question, and you may be one of them, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Well, that's that's bold, all right, but here we go. Uh, if you couldn't run anymore, what other sport could you see yourself getting into? Avid cyclist aiming for the Tour de France, swimmer, underwater basket weaving. Um, yeah, I mean, that's I've, I've gotten that question once or twice, um, and I don't know that I have a good answer. Like, I, I, I don't know exactly what I would do. Um, and, and I suppose, and, and here's, here's me trying to be like, like, I don't know, analytical, right? Like what would be the reason that I couldn't run anymore? Like, do I still have the use of both legs? Do I not have the use of both legs? Can I not take the impact, but I can still do the, like, why can't I run? Because that's going to influence what I'm going to do. Um, all things being equal, I guess. I mean, I probably would do like more of a strength training focus, uh, not, and not like bodybuilding or like body composition or anything like that, but just like, like just kind of lift weights on a regular basis and, and just work on, on that type of thing, uh, would probably be it. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I could see myself, I could see myself going back to, to hockey. Um, you know, whether it was like playing hockey in like a men's league, um, or whether it was just like ref and hockey, I could see that being a, a potential, uh, getting back into refing. I haven't done that in a while and, and certainly enjoyed it and thought it was great cross training. So maybe that, um, I don't know. I mean, I don't see myself becoming like a, any type of, of cyclist. Like I would still use my spin bike, pr- assuming I could. Um, but like, I don't know as much as I hate the treadmill to be, and would rather be outside running. Like I hate riding outside and would rather just be on the, on the spin bike. And I, I can't explain why. And there's probably some crazy mental gymnastics that I'm okay with doing there. Um, but, but you know, there's that. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, you know, fingers crossed, knock on wood. Um, you know, I, I don't have to worry about what I'm going to do for non-running exercise for another 50 years or so. Um, and at that point I might not be, I might be more focused on just breathing than anything else. So, um, you know, hopefully I, you know, I got 40, 50 years before I'm really confronted with the idea of not being able to, to exercise, but it would probably, I mean, it would have to be, if, 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 if I had to nail it down, it would be some type of not necessarily endurance sport. Uh, you know, I mean, it could be tennis, it could be, you know, rec league basketball, like I said, men's league hockey, like it would be, it would be probably some type of, of ball sport. Um, I guess hockey wouldn't be a ball sport, but, but something along those lines more so than some other type of, of endurance activity, but I don't know. And, And like I said, hopefully I don't ever have to like be confronted with it to have to try to figure it out. Uh, next question from Jackie, what is slash are your favorite Seinfeld episodes? Uh, and did you try the office yet? So, uh, Seinfeld episodes, like this is one of those questions, like, you know, how impossible, like, you know, 
your favorite one? I mean, I don't know. Like, there's a bunch of them, right? And then it's like, well, where do you where do you draw the line? What's your cutoff? And then what's your criteria? Um, there's a lot of good episodes. There's many of them that I'm like, ah, eh, you know, whatever. And then I start watching. I'm like, oh yeah, this is a really funny episode. I forgot about this part. Or I forgot. And, and you know how Seinfeld? At least those of you that watch Seinfeld, there's so many like side plots to each episode that like the main theme of the episode might not maybe kind of eh. But then there's like that side bit where Kramer does something or George does something or Elaine does something. And you're just like, oh yeah, this, uh, I forgot about this one. I forgot about this, this tie in. Um, but if I, if I had to pick, right? Like if you said, what are, what are the five episodes of Seinfeld that you can watch that I can watch anytime, find them funny, love them to death. Uh, and no, I, I, I say in no particular order, I think the Marine biologist is my, is my favorite episode. Uh, I just think it's, I think it's, hilarious that whole episode i think is hilarious uh so that would be one um and then and then really in no particular order and and these are just the ones that like i thought of um and probably if i had a list like i don't know there'd be at least probably half of them at least two of the four wouldn't make the list and there'd be other ones that would come on i don't know um but i like the soup nazi one is funny to me uh the junior mint is funny um the contest is that one would definitely stay on the list that one is is hilarious um and then i don't know i mean there's a bunch of other ones what i i'll and this may not even be the one that's in the show notes i can't remember i didn't i'm not looking at it back at it um but like the the cigar store indian i think is a really funny one maybe not necessarily always appropriate but i think it's really funny um the hamptons is a good one i mean i like i said i keep going uh the the uh the serenity now is a good episode um there's so many good ones so many good ones um that it's, it's hard, hard to pick. Uh, did you try the office yet? No, it's still on the list. Um, we just don't watch that much TV anymore. We actually started the marvelous Ms. Maisel, uh, like last week we watched the, watched the first episode. I enjoyed it. Rebecca enjoyed it. Haven't watched the second episode yet. Maybe, maybe watch the second episode soon. Um, I'm sure we'll get into the office eventually. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I think it would be funny. I've heard good things, good people in it. But, uh, but yeah, that's another one. You know, I would, I will say this, I'll watch the office more than likely long before I'll do the last man standing treadmill event. So, you know, stay tuned, but don't hold your breath on this one either. Uh, the next block of questions is from, from Ms. Mona as per usual, got, you know, three, four, five, six questions here. I don't know how many it is, but we'll run through them. Appreciate the questions, Mona, as per usual. First one, I've been running a lot in the rain or on wet roads. Sometimes my shoes get into puddles involuntarily. I was wondering, is that going to affect my shoe quality as they're not waterproof? I do let them dry on their own after the runs, but, um, they're definitely wet through and through. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, no, no factor, you know, shoes these days, they can handle some water. They can handle some rain. It's not a big deal. Uh, I think the big thing is to let them dry out. Um, not that that, not that running in wet shoes is a problem, but, and, and I know there's different opinions here. The shoe manufacturer says no factor to put your shoes in the dryer. I refuse to put my shoes in the dryer. Uh, I, I don't, you know, high heat. I don't know. I mean, they're, they're probably going to be fine, but like, could they precipitate them to, or precipitate is probably not the right word, but could they, could they increase the likelihood that they'll fall apart? Maybe, probably not. But for me, it's like, I don't need them banging around in my dryer for 20 minutes. Right? Like, like that's, that's ugh. like, no, that, who needs that? noise going on in the house while your shoes are drying. Um, my go-to take the shoes, turn them sideways so that the, like the hole where you'd slide your foot in is facing towards your refrigerator, slide those right underneath the right to the edge of the refrigerator where that warm air return comes through. They'll be dry, easily be dry overnight. 
you know, few hours, bone dry on the inside, good to go back out there. Um, but yeah, if you're going to run in the rain, run in the, in the wet conditions, your feet are already wet, hit every puddle, be a kid, enjoy it, have fun. Don't worry about your shoes falling apart because of it. They will be just fine. Uh, next question. What, um, sorry, with the days getting a bit to a bit longer, uh, the sleep cycle is definitely getting affected as well. Do you have any suggestions on preserving the same routine even after the change in daylight, you know, with daylight savings time approaching? Um, I, I mean, no, I don't really have any suggestions other than the obvious of just like sticking to it, right? Like stick, stick to your bedtime, stick to your wake times or whatever. Um, that said, just, you know, word of, of thought is that our bodies have been like kind of pre-programmed or, or programmed, depending on what your thoughts and beliefs are. Our bodies kind of do well with the whole go to bed when the sun goes down and wake up when the sun comes up type of situation. Like we've kind of been doing that since we were, we were people you know, since people existed. Um, and it's only been like what in the last hundred years or 150 years. Um, and not even 150 has been whatever, whatever the exact time, whenever, whenever Edison did his thing and the, the light bulb came about, um, but it's only been since then that we've really like embraced not going to bed when it gets dark. Right. Um, and so all that to say, like our bodies are okay with an ebb and flow and how much sleep we get based on the time of year. Right. So in the summertime, the days are longer, like our bodies are just okay with the idea of sleeping a little bit less. Right. Kind of back to Liz's question though, maintain good sleep, uh, habits, sleep principles. Don't have a bunch of caffeine at five o'clock in the afternoon because it's the day it's going to be a little bit longer. Like that's still going to jack you up that caffeine in your system. Same with the alcohol, same with the blue lights from the screens and the phones and things like that. Like try to be smart on those, on those fronts try to stick to the normal routine, right? Like we still need a certain amount of sleep, but if you're getting a little bit less because it's daylight a little bit longer, like it's okay. Listen to your body. Don't force yourself to stay up because it's not dark yet. Um, but if you're tired, try to go to bed, you know, try tired, try to get some sleep. Um, I guess the, the, the answer here is just try not to overthink it really like do your best work with what you got. Um, but don't freak out if you're sleeping a little bit less in the summer months because the days are longer. Like that's kind of how humans have done since humans were a thing. So, uh, you're going to be okay because you've got thousands, hundreds of thousands, whatever your beliefs are years of, of body programming to work with the sun cycles and the, the daylight shifts from the seasons. So you'll be okay. Uh, next question also from Mona, another one in the block here. Uh, when is the new clothing or merch coming? I'm kind of holding my credit card in hand here. Can you maybe suggest a timeline? Um, this is what I get for having you go back into the archives and listen to that episode with Rebecca. And I talked about that like two years ago and then, you know, kind of here we are, right? Uh, there was a little bit of stuff that came out and then we kind of pulled it back. Um, and, and I'm not going to give you a specific timeline because then you're going to hold, hold it against me. Uh, there's some things that work in theory. Hopefully, relatively soon-ish, there's some new like logo artwork stuff for the podcast. And when that happens, hopefully, if all goes to plan, there will be some shirts, gear, swag, etc. that correlates, ties into, replicates the new artwork. So if slash when you see the new artwork happen, expect an announcement on some clothing coming shortly thereafter. Um kind of a theme here today though. Don't hold your breath because this has been something that's been sort of backburnered, but going to be happening for like two years now. So 
you know, I think we're getting close. Hope we're getting close. Um, it's, it's, I would be lying if I said it was the biggest priority. It's not, uh, kind of like changing the, the banner for the Facebook group. I mean, you know, whatever, eventually someday, maybe. Um, but hopefully it, knowing that you got your credit card ready, Mona, that might spur me a little bit into action, right? You know, maybe, maybe not saying, just saying, uh, stay tuned. And I will certainly keep you all posted on that for sure. Uh, next question from Mona update on Ms. Rebecca making an appearance again. Um, Another one. Don't hold your breath on it. I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll bring her back for like the ten year anniversary. She was on for the five year anniversary. We're we're approaching the seven year anniversary of the show. Gen- July first will be the seventh year. Uh, maybe maybe year ten we'll bring her back. Maybe before then. I don't know. I don't know that she's chomping at the bit to do it. You know, back to a Seinfeld reference. I don't need my worlds to collide. My podcast world. My wife, husband, family world. Uh, I'm okay with keeping them those worlds apart a little bit, kind of like George liked to keep his worlds apart. Um, I'm not opposed to it, I guess. You know, whatever. If she really wants to do it, she can do it. I'll tell you what, though. I don't think she really wants to do it. Um, so maybe maybe by the time we get to episode or to 10 year, to the 10-year mark, maybe I can, you know, think of something else to have her on the show to talk about. I don't know. You keep pestering her. Maybe she'll do it. We'll see. Uh, next question. How's the goal progress coming? Anything you would like to share? Um, you know, so far so good. Uh, doing, doing pretty well. My, my mileage for the year is, is well ahead. Be, uh, at 400 miles, uh, before the end of February, uh, probably will be there on the, the last, my last running day, which is the last Saturday of the month, uh, should, should cross it. No problem. Um, strength training on point, uh, yoga bike have improved in February over January, but it's still a little bit behind the, uh, the, the necessary, um, pace for the year. But hopefully we'll we'll continue to pick that up as we go. Uh, made progress there this month. Um, you know, math test done, done two of those. Hard workouts done two. Like I'm doing pretty good. At least on my running goals, business goals, still some some room for improvement there. Um, but I appreciate you holding you know holding me accountable. That's that's part of what uh, I like to do for others, and I appreciate when others do that for me. So you know, doing doing all right, doing all right uh, this year uh, so far. Two months in. Still 10 months to go, so I uh, got, got some work still to do in front of me. Uh, last question from Mona. Thoughts on the vaccine? Will you get it when the time comes? Uh, I hope this works for the sake of all of us. I miss hugging friends and seeing uh, their faces and smiles and things of that nature. So, uh, I mean, yeah, like, like I, I'm, I'm down for the vaccine. The, the problem is, um, like, on the scale of people that need the vaccine, like, I'm probably, like, last, right? Because I work from home. My interaction with people is like zero, um, and partly by design. Like I don't, I don't really miss being out in general public at all. Um, of course, yeah. I mean, we go to Disney once in a while, or we, you know, I go, obviously go to the grocery store, things like that. Um, but like on a day to day basis, like the only people I see are Rebecca and, and Addison. Um, so like I would be more concerned about them getting it, and not that Addie's old enough to get the vaccine, but like you know, Rebecca certainly. I mean, she's a teacher by. Why the heck teachers haven't gotten it yet? I don't know. Uh, why they're not a priority item? I don't know. Um, but you know, actually, and actually, she's she's kind of like pseudo underlying condition. Um, maybe you know, like I don't want to get into all her medical details, right? Uh, but she's actually gotten called from the hospital about uh, being on the list and and when they're ready to schedule her. Hopefully, she can get that scheduled soon. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I would take it tomorrow if they like. My arm is ready. Give me give me the right needle with the right stuff in it. Um, you know, any of the three I'm down, I'll take it. It, it, No hesitation at all. Um, because you know, science and like science works and the only, 
and, and I, I don't mean this in any disparaging way, but the only questions about this vaccine has nothing to do with the actual, like how it was tested. It's just because it's, it's different and it's out in the open more so than most vaccines that fly under the radar for 10 years until they're approved. Like, like, yes, it was rushed, but they didn't skip steps. They didn't like, like the science is strong. The science is legit on this. Um, and, and again, I'm not trying to get political. I'm not trying to get preachy. Um, but like, I, I trust the science and, um, I would have no hesitation at all to get it. Um, even though I'm, I'm not in the demographic that should be, I shouldn't be first in line. I mean, I, I shouldn't be. Um, but as soon as my time comes, you better believe I will, which, which arm do you want it? Which, which sleeve, you know, I'll roll up my arm and, and jam that needle and let's rock and roll. Uh, because yeah, you know, getting back to, to, I don't want to say normal, but getting back to just living life without having to wear masks all the time. I mean, I'm not, a, I don't, I'm not opposed to the mask. They, they, they help again, science, they help. I would rather not, you know, when I go to the grocery store, I'd rather not wear a mask. I'd rather not have to, to wear a mask at Disney or wear a mask at, at whatever. I mean, those are the only two places I go really, but like, you know, I'd rather not, but you know, so yeah, I would do it. Absolutely. Hope, hope everybody else would do it too, because the sooner everybody else does that type of thing, when they're able to do so, the sooner we can get back to, you know, having 25,000 people show up at race day. And I think we can all, wherever we stand politically, wherever we stand ideologically, I think we can all agree as runners, right? That it would be nice to, you know, have a normal race again, as opposed to, you know, cap limits and staggered starts and all the, 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 different things that have had to happen because of races and obviously all the cancellations as well, like getting, getting vaccinated, getting safe. That's a big part of races coming back. So let's make it happen. Uh, but thank you for the questions this month, Mona, as always. And, uh, hope, hope things are well for you and yours. Uh, next question from Brian. Would, Oh, Brian, would you consider sharing audio proof of your guitar playing to sweeten the deal? I'll finish an original song and post it. Your move, Diz. Um, you drive a hard bargain there, Brian. Uh, and, and, and as I'm reading your question here, you say, you'll finish an original song and post it. I'm assuming that means that you're already working on an original song, which is awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll share it. Uh, well, how about this? And I, I'm not going to say exactly when, uh, but I guess I'll, now that I'm saying it, I'll probably have to do it soon, right? Uh, we'll make it a Facebook group uh, exclusive. Um, I'll, I'll film a, 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 you know, a handful of the songs that the, the Dave Matthews songs that I can play. Um, not like the whole song, of course, but you know, enough that if you know, Dave Matthews, hopefully it's, it's close enough that you would be able to like, Oh, I recognize what song that is. Um, and I'll, I'll post it up in the Facebook group sometime in the next couple of weeks, something like that. When I, when I've got to spare 10 minutes or five minutes or whatever, I'll set up the phone and do it. Uh, one of these days. All right. You called me out. I'll do it, but it's not going on the podcast. We're not, we're not there yet. We might not be there ever, but we're definitely not there yet. So you're welcome. Your move on the, uh, on the original song. Uh, next, next question from Tom, Tom's traditional trifecta. How's that for alliteration? Tom's traditional trifecta of questions starts here with the first one. Uh, Tom's question. Uh, I sometimes have to shovel snow for one to two hours before I can go for a run. Is there anything detrimental to this type of heavy workout before running? Should I limit my mileage on these days? Um, you know, Tom, I, 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 no, I, I would say, no, there's not anything detrimental. It's just like doing any type of other, you know, heavy lifting before running or anything like that. Like, like physical exertion is physical exertion, right? Again, another theme of today, 
ecosystems, right? Everything's related. Everything's connected. Nothing happens in a vacuum. Nothing happens in isolation. So just because shoveling snow isn't the same as running doesn't mean it doesn't impact your, your body, your energy, your, your, you know, things like that, that, that would impact your running. So, um, you know, if you got a bunch of snow that you need to shovel before you can go for your run, um, it may, it may impact your run. Now I'm not saying that you shouldn't run. I'm not saying that it's going to, it's going to have any detrimental impacts. Um, and I'm not saying that you have to, to cut your mileage that on those days you might want to, you know, listen to your body, listen to how, how, how it's feeling. You know, if you're feeling tired and, and worn down and your, your form is maybe failing because your upper body was, was taxed from doing so much shoveling for, you know, an hour or two and shoveling that much snow, um, maybe have a, an ability to bail out on a run early, you know, maybe plan your route so that you pass, maybe not right back past the house, but you pass close ish past the house at, you know, the halfway point that you could, you could cut it off early if you needed to. Um, but just in general, all things being equal, like I, I don't see any reason why you couldn't still run after a, a, an epic snow shoveling session. Um, it's just, it's just, yeah, like it's going to be fatigue. It's going to maybe wear you out a little bit more the next day or that, that later that day. So you might need to plan a nap. You know, if you need, if you need permission for me to plan a nap that day, if you need an, a, uh, I don't want to say an argument, but if, if you're going to get, Hey, you know, honey, I need to take a nap today because I shoveled snow and I ran and, uh, the, the clown from Florida said, so consider this, the, the, I say, so take a nap after you run, uh, on the same day that you do a bunch of snow shoveling because you know, your body needs it. Your body needs it. There you go. There you go. Um, but yeah, I mean, go for it. Like, just, just be smart. Listen, like all the same normal stuff that you would normally do paying attention to. If the run's not there, don't force it. But if you're feeling all right, feeling strong, knock it out. No big deal. Uh, next question also from Tom again, uh, two out of three. Uh, I am signed up for the Buffalo marathon. My first, which is my first marathon, uh, and it's Memorial day weekend. I would like to run a 10 K race two weeks prior. Do you see anything wrong with this? Any tips if I follow through with this plan? Um, no, I mean, I don't see anything, any, anything wrong with that at all. Um, you know, there's like, and I know I even talk about this in, in be ready on race day a little bit. And I've talked about it on the show at various times. Like, like there's, there's no, perfect way to prepare for a race. There's no one size fits all surprise, surprise. There's no like exact formula that you need to follow. Right. So normally just in general and and always room for, for manipulation in general, when I'm doing a training plan for one of my athletes, um, that two weeks out from the race would probably be in most situations. And again, this is, this is general, general with the ability to adjust. Um, Normally two weeks out from the, the, the marathon, the half marathon, the, the, the ultra, whatever would be like the last really long, long run, you know, maybe 20 miles, 22 miles, whatever, you know, scaled to whatever, but that would be when I would do it. Um, that said, you could easily move it one week prior. So you could do your last really long run before the marathon, um, three weeks before your race. So the week before the 10 K you do, you know, whatever, 20 miles, 22 miles, something like that, whatever, whatever kind of works out for you, whatever fits how the training goes between now and then, um, do that three weeks out, then race the 10 K maybe get about a mile in beforehand to warm up, run the 10 K hard, then maybe do an extra three to five to eight miles easy after the race. Don't necessarily have to, but that would put you, you know, in that 16, 17 mile range, something like that solid. Um, one way or the other though, after the 10 K you're in taper, you're basically in taper zone. Now you're, you're two weeks out. Um, so you could just do the 6.2 miles and be good. And then the next week do 10 or 12 or whatever. Um, you kind of tapering down. Um, 
you know, but, but, but yeah, that time frame it works for me. It works for me if it works for you. Um, and, and, you know, I, I don't see any issues. I don't see any issues at all. Um, assuming everything goes well between now and then. So, uh, there's lots of, lots of wiggle room in there. Lots of other ways that you could, you could structure things and make it work. Uh, you could make the 10 K part of the last long run. You could make it the, the, like almost like a fast finish, depending if it works for the schedule, you could go out and run, you know, 14 miles before the 10 K and then try to finish that right about the same time. The 10 K starts jump in the 10 K push the pace as hard as you can. It wouldn't be, a, it wouldn't be your fastest 10 K, but you could push as hard as you can for that last, the, the, for the, the last six miles of your last long run which would be the, the, the 10K, of course. Um, and then there you go. You get your, your 20 mile or your 22 miler in two weeks before the, the race. That would work out as well. You know, there's there's options there. But just in general, running the 10K two weeks up, no problem. No problem. Just kind of depends on how you want to fit it in. Uh, last of Tom's three questions this month. It's almost like he's like a quoted. Tom, do you feel like you have to ask three questions each month? And I don't say that because I don't appreciate your questions. I'm just saying like every month you ask three questions. Always right in a row. Like you've been sitting on them and then it's like, Oh, time. Boom, 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 boom. Anyway, just an, just an observation. Uh, last of Tom's questions. Can you recommend any shows for binge watching? I mean, yeah, Seinfeld. We already talked about Seinfeld, right? And I feel like we talked about this a little bit last month too. Maybe not quite in the same, you know, binge, binge worthy type of category, but like for me, and again, it's your, your mileage may vary here because like, if you don't like s- stupid sitcoms then like, then, then no, I can't. <laughs> if you, if you don't like sitcoms, I can't recommend shows for binging. If you do like sitcoms, uh, Seinfeld, Parks and Rec, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, you want to go a little old school, I would go Cheers. Um, I, I've i always, like, uh, I don't know if I should say this one or not. I like the Cosby show. I know Bill Cosby kind of tarnished things in the last decade. Um, and even the last couple seasons of the Cosby show were eh. But the early years, like the first five or six years of the Cosby show, like some funny stuff. Again, maybe not so much now with, what's come to light about Bill Cosby himself. But like, I don't know, I could get, I could get on board with watching some old episodes of the Cosby show. I think, um, I don't know. Shit's Creek. That's, that's a good one. Brooklyn nine, nine. If I didn't say that new girl is funny. Um, I mean, lots of how I met your mother. I enjoyed that show. Big bang theory. I enjoyed that show. Um, I mean, any, any sitcom I'm on board for, for, for sitting down because the, you know, the beauty of the sitcom is like, you know, it all kind of blurs together. You know, Seinfeld is great because there's a lot of like kind of, running gags or kind of little references to these things and that thing that you can maybe catch a little bit easier if you watch them all kind of back to back to back. But if you miss an episode, if you're doing the dishes, if you're kind of, you know, distracted or whatever, like whatever, it's a sitcom. Like it's, it's, it's not that, that deep. And there's not that many tie-ins that are like, you have to be paying attention to this one. And three seasons later, like it pays off like, eh. you know, so that's, that's why I like sitcoms. Uh, it's, 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 you know, it, it's not, doesn't require too much bandwidth. To, to go through it. Um, I heard the office is pretty good. Jackie's Jackie's high on the office. Uh, so maybe, maybe that one's on the list too, but I can't, I can't personally recommend the office, but I know Jackie does. I know a lot of other folks have as well. So, so there you go. There's some options as far as sitcoms. If you want to go not sitcoms, I'm not your guy. I am not your guy to give you other, you know, give you dramas, give you uh, other, you know, reality TV shows or anything like that. Like this, you're barking up the wrong tree on that front. Uh, but hopefully that gives you something to get started with Tom and you know, before long it'll be spring in New York and you can stop binging and just get outside and enjoy life again. Um, but, uh, yeah. So thanks for the questions this month, Tom. Always appreciate it. Looking forward to your, uh, trifecta next month as well. A uh, handful of questions left. I think four, four more. So not even quite a handful. Uh, next one from Barb. 
How do you combine heart rate training into a race plan when you have a time goal in mind? Most of the time I run easy, uh, easy effort with a few strides mixed in. Do you just train like this and hope for the best? Or is there a more effective way to train for a race? So, um, Barb, this don't take this the wrong way. Cause this, this could come across as being kind of like I'm being a jerk and I don't mean it this way. Um, but good principle, good training principle. I believe, let me preface it by this. I believe that good training principles are good training principles, right? And I believe that when it comes to training for endurance, which that's what, that's what we're all doing, right? No matter what race you're, you're running, it's an endurance race. Again, and I know I've broken this down before. Unless you're running 400 meters or less, it's an endurance race. To me, the best way to do that is heart rate training. It builds your aerobic system the best, which is what is, in, is required for endurance races. Um, and so I don't see a difference between heart rate training and training for a race with a specific time goal in mind. Like I, that, that's good principles are good principles. Now I know, I assume, maybe I don't know. I assume that the pushback and really what the, the crux of your question is, is so like you're doing heart rate training, right? Or you're doing running easy with a few strides mixed in most of the time. So, so I'm just going to make up numbers. They may be close to your numbers, Barb. They may not be even remotely close, but for ease of, of argument or ease of discussion, at least I'll give you some numbers, scale them up or down as necessary. Everybody else obviously do the same as well. So I, I'm assuming that your question is like, Hey, I'm training for a marathon. Um, or I want to, I want to run a marathon. I want to run it in four hours. And I, I'm just using numbers that I know easy numbers, right? Uh, I, I want to run it in four hours, which is like a nine Oh six pace. So let's call it nine minute pace. Uh, is what I need to be able to run for my marathon. I'm trying to run easy, follow heart rate principles or whatever. Uh, and most of the time my, my easy pace is like 1030. Um, so should I keep running at 1030 pace and just hope for the best? Like you said, hope for the best that by doing so I, I can somehow miraculously run nine minute pace on race day, even though I've never really trained there other than mixing a few strides. Um, or, you know, should I, when I'm in my training zone, should I be focused more on race pace? Like, like how do I, you know, should I run more at nine minute pace? Should I run more at seven thirty pace? Like, you know, do some speed work. Like, how should I do this? So this is, this is where it, it does take a little bit of a leap of faith, right? It does take a little bit of trust in the process, trust in the science, trust in the evidence of pretty much everybody else who's ever done heart rate training that your body doesn't forget how to run faster. doesn't forget how to run harder. Right? Like, like I don't do speed work very often, but I could go out and run, you know, whatever, run a, run a quarter mile in whatever in 90 seconds. Right. Um, that's way faster than I ever run on, than I usually run on a day-to-day basis. All right. That's six minute pace. I don't do six minute pace very often. You know, I'm usually like nine forty to ten thirty pace is my easy, easy days. Most of the time. Um, but my body doesn't forget how to run fast. It doesn't forget how to, how to fire those, those, those muscle fibers, how to turn my, my legs over quicker. Um, and the reason that heart rate training or any type of easy effort-based training works is because what we're ultimately able to do is to run faster, longer. Okay. When it comes to high intensity races, when it comes to even, even something as short as the hundred meter dash. And I know I've used this example before, but it's a powerful one. I think it's a powerful one. I hope it's a powerful one. The reason that Usain Bolt is the best hundred meter dasher that we've ever seen. And I don't think there's a question there. I, 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 I don't think there is maybe, maybe there is, you know, I, I didn't see Jesse Owens in his prime, right? Like, I, I don't know. 
Um, but at least in my lifetime, hands down, the best 100-meter dasher ever, well, ever, in my lifetime, Usain Bolt. Not because he was the fastest. Not because his top speed was faster than anybody else's. At that level, when you when you look at the Olympics and you break down the, 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 the paces that they're going, their top speeds, they're all like the same speed. Right? Yeah, I'm sure there's a little bit of it. They're all the same speed. The reason Usain Bolt wins going away is that he slows down the least over the last 40 meters of the race. And I've seen the sports science on this, and you can you can check it out, and, and it's it checks out. Everybody gets off to their start. They reach their top speed, and whoever holds on to their top speed the best wins. Bolt slows down, but he doesn't slow down as much as everybody else, and that's why he wins by, you know, not even close margins most of the time. So how does that translate to us? Because I'm not Usain Bolt. You're not Usain Bolt. You know, you're not running the 100-meter dash. I'm not running the 100-meter dash. But by doing the heart rate training, your body, you haven't, like, if you, if you are physically capable of running at nine minute pace, and that's your goal for the marathon to run that, that four hour marathon, like your body can still do it. Right. But by running at 1030 pace or 11 minute pace or 945 pace or whatever that easy zone pace is, you're more able to hold on to that nine minute pace. Your endurance is able to improve enough that you're able to stay there longer and hopefully stay there for four hours or three hours and 58 minutes. And you run your marathon in just under four hours, right? Yes, you have to, to I guess, hope for the best. You have to trust that that's what's going to happen. That is what's going to happen if you're consistent with it. Now, it may not happen for the next race. It may take you a year and a half to get there, right? It may not happen in, in 16 weeks. It may not happen in 16 months. But if you keep building that aerobic base, that aerobic engine, it, it does continue to improve. And then... You mix in a little bit of spirit. You mix in your strides once in a while. Maybe, and, and there's nothing wrong. And, and again, it's something that I know gets gets lost in the shuffle sometimes because I know I don't always do a good enough job of explaining it. But there's nothing wrong. In fact, there's benefits to doing a good hard speed workout once in a while, even when heart rate training is your focus, right? One, one of my goals is, I heard, you know, Mona called me out on my goals. How are my goals doing? Like I said, I've done, my, my one of my goals this year, in case you missed this one, Barb, one of my goals this year for 2021 is to do one legitimate hard speed workout every month, right? I've kind of fudged it the last few years of like, eh, you know, maybe I should do a speed workout here. I don't know. This year, I'm doing one per month. Last year, I probably did like two total. So, you know, decent little increase. Um, but like when I go out and do a speed work, when I do repeats, Eventually, maybe I'll do a tempo run or do some hill repeats or maybe do fast finishes or whatever, you know, strategic based on my race goals or races that are coming up. But when I go out and do them, like I push hard, hard, uh, the appropriate level of hard based on the workout. Of course, uh, I don't push as hard in mile repeats as I do in quarter mile repeats because distance, right? Um, but, but do a hard workout. So I had to say, do your heart rate training, stick with it because it's working. At least it will work if you continue to stick with it. Mix in a hard workout once in a while. It doesn't need to be two or three of them a week. It doesn't need to be two or three of them a month. It could be two or three a month, depending on overall fitness, goals, et cetera, et cetera. Um, could be one a, one a month. could be one every six weeks. Just if you're doing some strides, you're getting some benefits there without as much taxation on your body. All right? Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I would, I personally would keep, 
training with my heavy, heavy, heavy focus on the heart rate training stuff. I mean, that's what I have done for the last three and a half years. Like I believe in it. And I'm not saying you have to do it. I'm not saying it's the only way, but I'm saying that if there's one area that I've talked about on the podcast over the last six and a half years now that I'm not, that I really can't throw out the, I'm being a hypocrite here thing. You know, I've talked about being a hypocrite about my cross training, my strength training, my foam. Like I talk about all those things as being super important. They are super important. I don't necessarily always be as consistent on those fronts as I should. Like you can't call me a hypocrite for the, the heart rate training stuff that I've done. You can't since December of 2017, you like, I have not been hip. I have been practicing what I preach there. Like that's how much I believe in it. That's how much I'm seeing the benefit of it. So all that to say, Barb and everybody else, of course, stick with it. Cause it works. All right. But that doesn't mean you can't do a hard workout once in a while. All right. But it's not a hope for the best situation. It's there. And, and if, if you haven't really like done a bunch of heart rate training and then run a race and like seen the proof, I get the, the trepidation, right? I, I get it. Trust the process. Hope for the best if you want, but trust it because it's, it, it'll be there. And you might just surprise yourself at how, how much stronger you feel at the end of the half marathon, at the end of the marathon than you expect with paces that you're like, well, damn, look at that. Look at me go. That's what I've been doing for some races. And I trust that that would be how you would feel it as well. So hope all that makes sense, Barbara. I know I got a little ranty there, um, but you know, you're like, uh, clearly I can get going on heart rate training stuff, um, but stick with it. It blends right into a race plan perfectly as far as I'm concerned. Even if, even with it, especially with the time goal for the race, right? You just, you just got to trust it. Just got to trust it and stick with it. And again, and keep the long-term perspective in mind. Like it, it's, it's not a miracle thing that works in six weeks, right? Sometimes, sometimes not even in six months, definitely in six years though, it'll work. All right. Um, so stick with it. And if you have any questions on it further, please let me know. Uh, another couple questions from Melody before we wrap things up today. Uh, first one, why is it that from time to time we have some of our best runs when we least expect it, especially after a bad night of sleep or just being really exhausted? You expect it to be terrible or you just don't even want to go out. You do anyway. And it's the exact opposite. Is it just an anomaly? Um, I mean, maybe an anomaly, but I would, I, first of all, Melody, I, I, I get it. I've been there plenty of times that I've thought, Oh God. And then it turns out to be a great run, right? I wonder though, and this is maybe be being a little bit devil's advocate. And maybe this is me again. I don't really have a good answer for you. Um, but it wouldn't shock me if it's just a expectations versus reality type of situation. Meaning that you, you go into this run just expecting it to be just terrible. And then if, if it's anything but terrible, you're like pleasantly surprised. Like, wow, that actually went pretty well. Um, and so maybe maybe just this, the simple fact that you go into it with no expectations, take some of that pressure off. You, you're not expecting a great run. You're not expecting a great pace. You're not expecting, like, you're not, you just, oh, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go. And then you're like, well, damn, it worked out pretty well. All right. And, and, and I wouldn't be shocked that, that maybe objectively those runs aren't objectively great. They're just objectively average. They're just objectively normal runs. But because you went into it going, I feel like crap and I don't really want to do this. My motivation's not there, but I'll just, whatever, I'll do it and just get it over with. And then it's not that bad. You're like, oh, well, that was pretty good. Versus if you went into it feeling absolutely fantastic, like this today's gonna be the greatest run ever. And then it was just kind of normal. You'd be like, oh God, that sucked. 
right? So it's kind of that expectation that you have going into it is my hunch. I don't know. I've certainly been there. I've certainly had days where I didn't think it was going to be great. And then you're like, well, whew. you kind of find your groove and you just go and you like, don't argue with it. Don't fight it. Just go with it. Um, but I think it's, I think it's at least possibly a expectations, reality type of thing. And, uh, you know, don't look a gift horse in the mouth, right? Like if it works out, it works out, embrace it. Uh, another one from Melody. Second to last question of the month. Um, from time to time, I notice myself clenching my fists when I run. I know I'm supposed to relax my hands, shoulders, arms. Uh, obviously I'm tense, but is this a sign that I'm tired? I'm just, I, I'm not an angry runner. I promise. I know you're not an angry, angry runner lady. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know exactly what it is. Uh, it could be tired. It could be cold. It could be stressed. It could be any number of things. Um, I think that, that I think that, that if you're recognizing it, that that's half the battle right there. Like when you recognize that your fists are clenched and you're gritting your teeth and you're, you're tense all over, that's a good sign to just kind of breathe a little bit. Try to relax. Try to just shake your, you know, shake, literally shake your hands out, like unclench your fists, shake them a little bit and just try to, all right, reset and go. Half a mile later, you might find your hands are clenched up again. All right, relax. Let go. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it's a sign of. It's a sign of something. Uh, maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's kind of a routine. Uh, maybe something that you just do subconsciously. But when you're aware of it, you know, be mindful. When you're mindful of it, when you're aware of it, <sighs> breathe, shake the arms, shake the wrists while you're running. Try to try to relax a little bit and then just get back into back into cruising. Hopefully keeping the, the hands relaxed. If they tighten back up, you know, try to work through it. Um, but it's, I mean, again, it's kind of one of those things that just kind of happens to all of us, I think, from time to time probably a variety of factors, you know, something to be aware of, but not something to, to like stress out about the fact that maybe you're a little bit stressed, you know, like, like, yeah, we're all a little bit stressed at time to time, a little bit tense, a little bit worked up when that happens, notice it, breathe, try to relax, try to shake those hands out. And, uh, hopefully you can stay in that more relaxed state for a little while longer. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't have any great insight there either for once. I'm not going to try to make up great insight when I don't have great insight. You're welcome. Last question from Dan. Oh boy. Here's a good one. Uh, can you talk about VO two max? I hear it talked about in running circles, but I don't completely understand it. More importantly, is it something that as runners we should be paying attention to? So, Oh boy, Dan, uh, here we go. Talking about VO two max. So VO two max is, um, trying to be simple, but not trying to, but try not to like gloss over it. It's the measure of how much oxygen our body can consume during a hard workout, it's running otherwise, whatever. Um, the more in theory and in theory and kind of what people, how the people read that as the more aerobically fit they are, the higher your VO two max is, which isn't exactly wrong. Okay. Um, but the reason that I would say it's not worth Maybe, maybe you could pay attention to it, but it's not worth stressing about. It's not worth focusing on. It's not worth saying, I'm going to try to, you know, this year, my goal is to improve my, my VO two max by 10% is that a, it's not something that we can just dramatically, like we have some control over it, but there's a lot of genetic components to it. There's a lot of, of age related decline that you just can't counteract. And so like, it's not one of those variables that you can completely control. So 
in my mind, it makes it not a great variable to try to optimize when you can't control it. Um, and then another reason it's not worth paying that much attention to is that most of us aren't actually going to get a proper VO2 max test. Because the way that it gets tested is you go to the, you go to the exercise physiology lab or the kinesiology lab, you run on a treadmill, which right there, that disqualifies me. I'm not going to go take a damn test I got to run on a treadmill for. Um, but you run on a treadmill, they put a, you, you think running with a, with a cloth mask to prevent COVID is a big deal. They put like a top gunfighter mask on you um, that measures the oxygen saturation of the air going in, measures the oxygen saturation of the air coming out. So it measures how much oxygen you're actually consuming. All hooked up to the computer and the, the tubes and the this and the that. And you run, you know, hard effort on the treadmill. I don't know the exact details. I've never done one. No real desire to. But that's how they measure it. That VO2 max number that your watch shows you, that's just a BS number. Yes, there's formulas and there's ways. To, but is it exact? No. No, 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 no. It's, it's, it's a, it's a formula, formula based on thousands of, of, readings it's kind of a one-size-fits-all formula like like yes there's there's some it's not like a completely wild guess but is it pinpoint no so if you if you go by just that number like i don't even know what mine is based on my watch but i can pretty much guarantee you that it's telling me that my vo2 max is much lower than it actually is because it's because the metrics for it assume that you're running hard every time Right? They, they assume that every run I go out on, like I'm like hammering it, pushing the pace. Because that's the only way to really get an accurate measure of your VO2 max is you have to be working at a max level of intensity. The fact that I run hard once a month means that the formula that they're using, the data points that they're using to, to gauge my formula, not even close to accurate. So if you're running easy most of the time, whether you're heart rate trained or not, you're running easy most of the time, that number that your watch is telling you, it, come on. So... All that to say, going back to Barb's question, good principles are good principles. If you're following good principles of training, your VO2 max is going to improve. Is it going to improve dramatically? Maybe. Maybe not. Are you going to get stronger as a runner? Are you going to improve your aerobic efficiency as a runner? Are you going to be able to maintain your endurance and maintain your speeds longer as a runner? Yeah. Can you do all that with a VO2 max that hardly moves? Yeah. So is VO2 max worth like fretting about? I don't think so. Now, if you're, if you're running elite of the elites, you're, you're running, you know, you're trying to break two hours for the marathon. Well, then maybe, maybe then might be worth it. Cause you're probably going to, you're going to be in the lab regularly. You're going to be testing everything. You're going to be looking for all the different signs and symptoms of progress and areas to improve and things to optimize. For you and I, Dan, and I don't mean this in the wrong way, of course. For you and I, and, and literally everybody else listening, like we don't we don't need that level of exactitude to improve, right? Just get an extra hour of sleep every night. I bet you that would do more for all of us, or just about all of us, than focusing manically on our VO2 max. So it's all about how much oxygen we're using at high intensity of exercise. Um, and and yes, it plays a factor, I guess. It plays a part, but is it worth worrying about? Worth paying, like, again, pay attention to it. Sure. Focusing on it, trying to optimize it for us. Nah, I don't think so. It's not going to hurt you too, but I think you're, you'd be better off putting that focus other places. Um, 
But what do I know? I'm just a guy with a podcast. So there's that. Uh, but that is it. That is it for this month's questions. Look at us. Look at us coming in right about an hour and a half. So I guess when I said an hour to two hours, I mean, uh, you know, kind of kind of hit that nail on the head, eh? Uh, you know, every once in a while, a broken clock is right twice a day. Uh, but anyway, thank you all for the questions this month. I, I appreciate it. Uh, and if you didn't get your questions in, don't worry. We'll have another Q&A in, uh, you know, about a month from now. Um, so make sure you're in the Facebook group, disruns.com slash Facebook, or just on Facebook, search for the Disruns tribe. Uh, if you want to head over to the show notes for today, we got some memes for just about every question, memes or GIFs. Um, but you can check those out, disruns.com slash two, not sorry, not two, disruns.com slash nine, two, one. Uh, we also got some links, some different, different things in there, different past episodes that might be good to reference, uh, different, different, this, different, that there's always, there's always a few links that get thrown in there as well. Um, ways to support the show all that good stuff is there uh disruns.com slash nine two one uh what do you think about this episode let me know at disruns on twitter at disruns on instagram you can also send an email disruns at gmail.com you can also also while you're checking out the memes and the gifs scroll all the way down to the bottom there's that comment section on the show notes you can leave a comment there as well and uh you know come join the the, the facebook group i already said that but i'm gonna say it again come join the facebook group it's, it's not a bad crew not a bad crew and uh every once in a while you see pictures of me running on a treadmill by every once in a while. I mean, you saw one this week, you might see another one in a decade. But every once in a while, you'll see a picture of me running on the treadmill, uh, and then we can have fun at it and, and uh, you know, make fun of me and ask questions and all that kind of good stuff, which is what happens there. So come join the party. And uh, until next time, y'all, please be well. Take good care. Thanks for making it through another month, another Q&A episode. And uh, we'll do this again, do this again in a month, all right? Till then, take care. See you guys.